This is episode 345 of the Photo Biz Exposed podcast. And today we're talking third party marketing with a photographer who is doing it better than anyone I've spoken to, more profitably, more successfully, and in a way that I know will inspire you to give this a try yourself if you haven't already. I'm talking about Arek Rangechuk, and that interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. When this goes live, I'll be down in Adelaide, South Australia. I'm there for the Tour Down Under, which is Australia's largest cycling race for professional cyclists. I'm not racing in the race (laughs) as much as I'd love to be. I'm about 20 years too old and half as fit as those guys. But it's a a great week away with, uh, I'm I'm here with a, well, (laughs) I'm about to say, I was about to say I'm here with 20 mates, but I'm actually recording this a couple of days before I leave. So it's ready to go to you on the Monday when I'll actually be in Adelaide with 20 mates uh, who all love cycling, all from my local area here on the Central Coast. And the reason I'm recording this a couple of days earlier is because when this goes live, I should be out on my bike, out in the hills of Adelaide, in the scorching heat and enjoying the race. One quick message for you if you are based in Adelaide or are down there this week, the week this episode goes live, I'd love to catch up with you if you are available I'll be meeting up with a few other photographers, PhotoBizX listeners, at the Publishers Hotel, which is on the corner of Franklin and Cannon Streets in Adelaide City. This is on Thursday afternoon at 5pm. That's Thursday, the 23rd of January, 2020. If you can make it down to the Publishers Hotel, come down, have a beer, have a glass of wine, grab some nibblies. We may even record a bit of an episode down there as well. So I'd love to see if you can make it. I'm going to cut this intro short because you've got me thinking about cycling and Adelaide and this next week coming up. And I know you probably don't want to hear me talking about cycling. And you're thinking, Andrew, let's just get on to the interview with Arik and third-party marketing. And now, a macro look at our last episode. I normally kick off this segment with in last week's episode, but last week there were two episodes released. The first was 100% business focused with Brian Bassani. He's a returning guest. He has a super successful wedding photography business. We talked all about that, how he's continuing to grow his business by expanding, starting a new brand, bringing on associate photographers. In addition to that, Brian shared some details about the loss of a close family member, his mother-in-law, how that affected business, how that has changed things in his life and how he coped at the time when he had weddings booked. She was very close to passing away and the stress that put on him and his family and the business as well. It's all there in that interview with Brian Bassani. In addition to that interview, I released a special episode with New Zealand-based photographer Catherine Williams, and this was in support of Project Recapture, a website that's been set up by Karen Alsop to help support the victims of the bushfires currently ravaging Australia. 
And the tie between Catherine and the bushfire victims is Catherine lost not one, but two photography studios to the earthquakes that hit Christchurch in New Zealand in 2010, 2011. Can you just imagine losing two studios from two subsequent earthquakes? It's unimaginable. In that interview, Catherine shares what she went through on those days and incredibly how business thrived immediately after the disasters and they continue to go so, so well. So two interviews to check out from last week if you haven't had a chance to listen to those. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with Arek in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. And I just want to give you a heads up. I am saving a portion of the second half of this interview for premium members only. And I can guarantee if you are looking to get more clients, more qualified, ideal, perfect clients for you, you are going to love what Arek has to share. And you are going to get an absolute ton from what he talks about in the first half of this interview. If you want to hear the rest, the rest of the interview where he dives into the nitty gritty of exactly how he's doing what he's doing, you need to be a premium member. And to do that, you can check it out for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. Head over to photobizx.com forward slash try, grab that $1 trial membership, have a listen to the rest of what Rx shares. You will be blown away. And listening to this interview, if you are able to implement what Rx shares, you will have paid for three, four, five, maybe even 10 years worth of a PhotoBizX premium membership just from implementing what Rx shares today. It will blow you away. PhotoBizX.com forward slash try. Come and check it out. See what you're missing out on if you're not a premium member. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is originally from Poland and is now based in Melbourne, Australia. He photographs portraits and runs a high-end studio by the name of Five Castles Portraits. I've been told I need to get this photographer onto the podcast for some time, but it was his post inside the third-party marketing course group that had me reaching out to set up today's interview. And in that thread, he wrote... I've been doing third-party mail-outs where my boutique partners are sending me the details of their most deserving clients on a monthly basis, and the recipients get a gift certificate valued at $650, $200 for the session fee, $450 print credit. The client needs to pay a $50 holding deposit in addition to hold their booking. I've never had an issue with it. He then goes on to say the $450 print credit is enough to get a 10 by 15 canvas and get their $50 deposit refunded, or get two 8x12s, which are valued at $250 each, using their deposit. But the vast majority of clients use their $500 credit as a discount to their massive order. His business tagline is Melbourne's most meaningful photography. He photographs families, couples, pets, and business portraits. He shoots indoors and outdoors, but the weekends are reserved for outdoor sessions only. I'm talking about Arek Rainchuk, and I'm wrapped to have him with us now to learn more about him and his business. Arek, welcome. Uh, thank you, Andrew. It's lovely being here. 
Mate, it's great to have you on, and I know we've talked about doing this for so long. Maybe you can start by letting me and the listener know how you ended up in Melbourne and shooting photography when I believe you came here as a scientist. Yeah, that's us, Andrew. Actually, as you mentioned, I'm from Poland. I did my master's degree there in genetics, and I was good enough to be offered a full scholarship almost anywhere in the world, and I chose Melbourne because there was the farthest away I could get from Europe <laughs> and still find a good university that does the research I was interested in. And I started my PhD in 2006 in Melbourne. And over the years, and I, I became disillusioned in the career in science. And my passion was dying. And at the same time, I was picking up photography as a hobby, just doing landscapes and some animals. And then friends started asking me to photograph their kids and I did it kind of for free and they wanted to give me you know, a tip and so on. And then my wife noticed how passionate I was about photography and for my birthday, she basically paid for my AIPP membership and that was 2008 or nine, and, and that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say you were trying to get as far away as possible from Europe? Because I've been there already. <laughs> I always wanted to get out. So science and studying was a way to do it. I'm not really patriotic. And, you know, you're born in a country where you're born in. And i rather choose a country I want to live in and contribute to. And I chose Australia and I have no regrets whatsoever. Fantastic. Fantastic. What's your wife's name? Kate. Kate, and is Kate Polish as well, or did you meet yeah, her? Yes, yes. No, yeah, you have to import wives to Australia, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> that don't make them as good here. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, joking. It's a running joke in my family. All Everyone imported their wives, as we say. So. Well, it's interesting you say that because <laughs> I have a Scottish wife, Linda, and oh, yeah. all three of my brothers are married to, uh, well, one has a, a British wife from the UK, one from Italy, and another one from Japan. So <laughs> oh, There you go, there you go. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, 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 I love, I love Australian boys and girls as well. So, yeah, that's why I'm here. So, please don't, no one gets offended. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. So, with the photography, how far into your photography career did you get along before you said, okay, I'm leaving science behind? Because I imagine that was a huge decision after all the years you put into oh, yeah. getting your master's. Oh, yeah, master's and then seven years working the PhD. It was a slow, considered process. I was basically keeping one foot in science, doing a little bit of teaching on the side and part-time tutorials and so on, as I was setting up business with the other hand. And I remember after joining AIPP, and I went to the Decathlon. I think it was one of the first Decathlons done in Melbourne. Decathlon is a, a, a small event organized by the APP where you have 10 speakers, everyone's got 10 slides in 10 minutes each, and there's 10 different topics. And that was my first event ever, and I sat down. And mind you, my biggest sale to that point was, I think, $300. And I was so wrapped because my cost of goods was 150 and I said, I made 100% profit. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down there, and one of the first speakers was asked the question, how much do you charge for 8 by 10 
And when he said $250, <laughs> and I knew it cost about $4 to print, I literally fell off the chair. I mean, <laughs> I could have to scramble back on it. And I think that was the wake up moment. So that's why I appreciate when you ask all those details about the numbers in our businesses, because the reality is if someone's new to the industry, they wouldn't know how to price it properly. And as I remember, it was mentioned in the IPP as well. A raising tide lifts all boats. So if we all keep our standards high and the price is consistent, we're not going to be competing with, with the weekend warriors or people who have a camera and think they can charge $50 per CD. Yeah, I totally agree with that. How long did it take for you to replace the income you were making as a scientist with your photography income? Yeah. Income as a scientist is not as big as you guys think. And when you're studying, it's even smaller than that. And it is, I would say, less predictable. So in science, it is more about federal funding. So every two or three years, you have to beg for money. If you get them, there's only 10% chance you do get the funding you need. And when you do get it, you basically work just so you can beg again in three years' time. If you don't get it, you're out. So it's not as rosy as people may think. It took me probably two or three years as I was slowly building up. I was mostly at that stage, we were renting in a normal suburban house with not really a space to see clients. So my mode back then was when I was basically inviting myself over to my clients' homes before the meeting. I would bring some samples like a portfolio and I'll sit down with them, discuss the session at their place. And we would have a, the session a few weeks later, on, on the, usually on the weekend. And I would then come back to their home with my laptop cables, samples. I had samples. To, uh, my biggest one was 20 by 60 inch sample. It was three walks, walks to a car to set it up in their home for a presentation on their screen, on their TV. And I was doing that for, for a few years. And actually, I learned a lot about how to choose the right prints for the right wall, which walls are the good ones. And I would then come and deliver because I couldn't have them come and pick it up. I would come and deliver and hang them on the wall for them. So I was full, full on service. And yeah, I learned a lot back then. But when we finally bought a house, we were looking for something where it's also for business. And we were so lucky. We found a place in the best suburb in Melbourne, in Belgrave. We've got the best driveway in Belgrave with space for a few cars and and the house is two-story and the ground floor is all for business so to get to that stage it was probably you know five or six years and we've been here since 2015. Right so how long were you doing science and photography before you said okay? Yeah, the overlap was about two or three years I think. Okay so pretty quick really and Kate was working full-time as well or still is? Yes yeah she was very patient and supportive. But the patience and support is running short when she's working five days a week and then commuting and everything. And I'm at home kind of playing on the computer and and disappearing in the weekends, on the weekends to shoot. So, yeah, we're trying to to make it all work even better now. So now that I have clients coming here, I'm more around the home. I'm trying to outsource as much as I can. So for me, it's not about building a monster, so I don't want to build a business that is too much to handle and too much to sacrifice. I want something more of a lifestyle where I can balance my family life and work and still get all the enjoyment from it and 
However, the challenge is to keep it nice and stable and long-term running. So I don't overbook myself. I kind of book ahead. And yeah, there are some challenges with that itself, but we can talk about it when we get there. Sure. It's interesting to hear you say that, Eric, because I looked at your website and I can see I have the option to book or schedule a meeting with you or a shoot with you. And I can book Monday to Sunday. There's seven days mm. of the week available for me to book a shoot. Not really. <laughs> so before you can book a shoot, you have to book a meeting with me. And those I only do during the weekdays. And most of them are during working hours. However, a couple of days a week, I do have afternoon appointments. And these book out very quickly because these are the people who have to pick up the kids from school or wait for the husband to come back from work or, or have some other activities during the day when they're not fully flexible. And I do make a point of meeting everyone before the session. So they have to bring the kids and the dog and the husband has to be there as well. So that's during my weekdays. So all my appointments, my clients in my gallery are during the weekdays. Sunday and Saturday, I only work early in the morning and late in the evening. So that, that depends on the sunset and sunrise times. So that changes throughout the year. But that's when I do the outdoor portrait sessions because I want to get either the best, you know, the golden hours you know, on the either end of the day. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, I just had a look now again, so I can see that the Saturdays and Sundays are mainly blacked out for those appointments. Yep, yep, there would be. Okay, got it. Just on the topic of income and making that changeover, did you get to a point, or what was the point when you realized, okay, I can quit science, I can be a photographer? I don't remember the exact point, but I remember I couldn't do it both ways much longer. There's a completely different mindset when you're running your own business and when you have other commitments. It's a big distraction and big um, takes a lot of mind space. I decided to wrap up with science and this way I could focus on photography and not so much photography, running a business counts. That's, photography is 5% of what we do, isn't it? So running the business, once I had my weekdays free, that's where I had a chance to, to go out more, do all my networking, I did a lot of networking to start with, um, to meet as many people as I could during the day, and, and I couldn't do it while being work, uh, while being busy in the lab. Got it. So did you have a figure, did you and Kate sit down you know, over dinner and say, okay, Arik, you need to be bringing in $50,000 for you to quit yeah, science? Yeah, yeah, so basically our aim is to have to match whatever Kate was doing at that time and then more. <laughs> right, before you could quit. Before I could quit, yes, that's right. What was the number you had to get to? Oh, I had to bring in 5000 a month. Okay. Profit, yeah. Oh, profit, not turnover, but profit. I mean, that's what has to end up on the account. Wow, okay. So you really had to be doing a hundred, $120,000 turnover before you quit science. Kind of, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, but the thing is... There's a little buffer, so I keep all the money on the business account and then I kind of feed it out to the private one just so there's the consistency and predictability. So all the dips and, and troughs and peaks in the business are you know, buffered in the business account, but that's kind of the aim. So when I know I can do that, that's good. Fantastic. And what about today, Eric? Can you give us a bit of a snapshot? Like what's your turnover today? So my turnover for last financial year was just over 180K with um, just over 50 sessions. And depending how you, because I do a lot of different types of portraits and they all have different averages. But when I calculate it, it's about two and a half or $3,000 average. And I only shoot maybe two or three times a week. 
Wow. <laughs> you have a great business and a good lifestyle by the sound of it. I try not to, yes, I said, I avoid building a monster. But I've been working with a few business coaches in our industry. I started with oh, Lorna and Lee and Drapilikolikos <laughs> from Instinctive Desires. I don't think they're doing that anymore. I had uh, a lot of training with Steve Saperito that you had on, on your show. And currently I'm working with Mark Rosetto that you also had in your show. And it's, you know, because I'm used to be trying this, I love learning. So I learn from as many people as I can and then try to kind of forge it into something of my own. Fantastic. Matt, I love your mindset. And this is something I don't hear from photographers very often. You sound like you could build a bigger business if you wanted to, but you're holding yourself back. What's holding you back? Why don't you grow larger than you are? That was, yeah, so that was until recently. That was my mindset. But now I'm trying to – my goal for the next year, so next year this time, I want to have doubled my business by then. So I, I do have the capacity, but I just need to take over more. I know I can do more, and I find myself kind of wasting so much time and procrastinating and not doing that or doing something later. And I realized it's not fair for Kate. I want to, if I can, while I have the capacity and the health and everything, I want to make sure we can enjoy a better lifestyle and take less pressure and take more of her off her shoulders. Does that make sense? It does, yeah, absolutely. So I'm in the process of kind of working through everything and realizing where I can do better. Okay, so in your vision for next year, do you mm-hmm. see yourself bringing on you know, more help, more outsourcing, more photographers, someone to do editing? How do you see that growth happening? Yeah, so I just brought someone to do the editing, an offshore retoucher. So I'm just training her to work up to my standards. It's so hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do it myself, but then it takes so much time and it's the balancing and the sacrifice. But she's very affordable, so I don't mind sending her a lot of things. I obviously outsource bookkeeping. I think the biggest outsourcing that I would next would be doing is probably social media and some forms of marketing. I'm better in real world marketing and actual meeting people, approaching businesses and developing partnerships with them. My social media, my online skills, while they're there, the skills are there, but the results are not coming through. So I think that will be my next thing. And my aim is to shoot four portraits a week, plus one business portrait or personal branding shoot a week. If I get to that stage and have it be booked out for the next two or three months consistently, that's my goal. So that's what I have written down. Five shoots a week, booked out for three weeks ahead with a minimum spend of two and a half or average spend. Two and a half average or three and a half? Two and a half average, that's my minimum average that I want to get. Right, okay. I mean, so that's the average I want to keep. Yes, got it. As I'm expanding. So I don't want to get more work, but get less, let a smaller average, because that's what tends to happen. If you get too many clients, you, the, the client experience falls, and, they expect, and people's averages tend to come down. Yes, yeah, got it. Okay, I want to talk about your client experience, but I want to go in some kind of an order so we can follow along with you and what you do. But just before we touch on that, you mentioned your offshore outsourcing person. How did you find them and where are they based? I used a website called Upwork and I posted an, an ad for a retoucher for a portrait photographer. Asked for, I only waited 24 hours to get all the people raise their hands. And then I sent them 
a link to a small folder with two files. One was a studio portrait for fine retouching, and one was one of my average family portraits. And I exported it from ProSelect with all the notes that I normally would do in ProSelect during ordering appointment, as in fix mom's hair and remove distractions and remove the, the light stand or something like this, just so I can see if they can open the file and read it and follow the instructions. And I made a few other ones to crop to this and just to make sure people that they read all and follow all the instructions. And then and I gave them a deadline, 24 hours. I think out of 11, I got 10 people sent back the files for me to review. And I just called them anonymously, just looked at the file, if I liked it, on scale 1 to 10. And then I contacted the two main ones for their pricing and to do any follow-up fixing up. And I chose a girl that is so reasonably priced. She's based out of St. Petersburg. But yeah, she's lovely. She's good, has good communication, fast turnaround, and she charges per hour, not per image. So that works for me this way. Because some images need more work, some less. I do all the pre-editing in Lightroom, so I do whatever I can in there. So she just needs to do, you know, some skin work and remove nice. bits and pieces here and there and make sure it looks nice. Do you communicate with her via Zoom or Skype? No. So. Upwork is a platform that does all through that. So I try to keep all the communication there. This way, the Upwork itself comes in as a moderator as well. I mean, not in a conversation, but anything, any disputes are resolved through them. So they encourage everyone to stay on the platform, but it's got either text chat or audio options. But this way, all the communication is logged. And whenever she's working on my files, she has to turn on the website, the software that comes to the website, and it records the time she's spending on the project and takes random screenshots. So I can review if, say, she spent two hours on my work and she's charged, you know, she charges like 15 bucks an hour or something. So let's say she's about to charge me 30 bucks. I can review what she's done in those. And I see screenshots of her in Photoshop doing this, my photos. So... It's good I don't pay her to view Facebook or watch YouTube. And it's all through Upwork. I think they they pull it from my PayPal, keep it in escrow, and then pay out to her if there's no issues. So it's good for her because she's got security, and so do I. So yeah, I found that working pretty well. Fantastic. Love it. Now, you mentioned that networking and getting out in the community is a big part of what you do. Mm. Is that how you do these third-party marketing promotions? Is that by yeah, getting so- out there? Yeah, yeah. So most of my clients would come from the third party. And I learned that from Julian Walker. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah, So I learned it from him and obviously adapted it a little bit. But that was a game changer. That's when I learned how to kind of run this type of promotion. But I found that, first of all, AIPP is a professional organization that helps, gives me access to all these people is invaluable. But another one that I spend six years in was BNI. You probably spoke about BNI with people here. Yes. It's a business network international. It's got chapters all over the world and they allow only one representative per industry to join a group that meets quite regularly. So it's a big time commitment because apart from weekly meetings, we organize a lot of one-to-ones and so on where you get to know the businesses better. And I visited all the other chapters in the area and i identify the businesses that I want to work with. So people 
who have uh, who are more boutique so and service based so people who do know their clients pretty well by name and they know they have kids and so on so i had a whole list of criteria that i was judging the businesses through and i would approach them so bni gives you that easy way of approaching them mm-hmm. and and slowly develop a relationship with them and then i had a whole process of getting them on board to for the third party and yeah, it goes from there. Yeah. So what's in it for them? So what's your pitch to this? Oh, oh that's the easy bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you want- <laughs> but you, you say it's the easy bit. This is the part that so many photographers get hung up on. They get scared. Oh, really? they get, yeah, nah, they get scared. Just, you just ask them, like, do you have great clients? And they go, oh, yeah, my clients are amazing. Okay, how do you reward them? What do you do for them that is out of ordinary? And they go blank. <laughs> like, oh, I give them a discount or... Yeah, usually that's it, you know. Or they maybe send them a postcard in for Christmas. That's the kind of the the highest I've heard from them. Right. Uh, highest kind of customer so this, the like reward. Appreciation. Yes. Yeah, rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So then I say, How about, you know, I give you a way to reward your best clients and I make sure it's the best clients only. So they only think about the top tier clients and I say I've got this partnership program going on and if you wanted to and then I usually organize a meeting with them. I don't tell them more than that. Kind of leave them hanging and brooding on how much they drop the line along along the way. How about to drop the ball with rewarding the best clients? And then the first meeting I usually invite them over to my gallery. And whoever walks through my gallery first, their jaw drops the first word they say is wow and kind of that's where I pick it up from them. So then I show them around. So hang on. So Arik, when you say the gallery, this is in your home. This is the business premises downstairs. Yes, yes. So that's a whole ground floor. We've got a, a large showroom, I would say. That's where all my fancy furniture is. And I do have a separate room. With, uh, that's what I call a gallery because I've got basically small portraits along the wall that all tell a different story. Got a separate bathroom for the clients. In my office, my storage is in here as well. But I usually take them through it. I show them kind of the type of work that I do. And then we sit down, I bring tea, and I explain the whole process to them. And basically, I usually (laughs) would say that what I can do for them. So I usually have everything prepared. So I have a beautiful proposal. I've got the back-end proposal that explains everything in the form of a letter and a contract and what to do, how it works, and also have a sample pack. So I usually give them the sample pack, which is what their clients would get. So I start with that. I just give them a beautiful big C5 envelope that is very luxurious in touch and thick because it's filled with everything in it. And I hand address it and I draw this little jiggly line in the corners and label it as a licked stamp. And uh, so I hand it to them and I say, how would you feel if you found that in your in your mailbox? And they go, oh, yeah, it doesn't look like a bill, does it? You know, it's, <laughs> it's not a long envelope. It doesn't have a window. It's not prepaid envelope. It says licked stamp because I literally licked them. Now I use the self-adhesive, but it's like a licked stamp that I put on. Right. And it's hand-addressed, so it feels personal, and it feels luxurious and thick. So when they take it out from a mailbox, they can feel it's not – they have to open it before they can throw it away. And when they open it with me here, the business that I'm trying to seduce, um, <laughs> the first thing that pulls out is their letter that is printed on their letterhead. So I usually grab a logo from my Google the business, grab a logo, put it in the corner of the paper and, and print a letter from them to their clients, as in, 
uh, dear Andrew, thanks for being such an awesome customer to us. We've loved having you here. And we've got a special gift for you. We've organ- everything's been organized. And the gift is, and it lists what it is and what to do next. It's very personal. Even though I print them by a dozen, just change the name and the letterhead. So that's the letter that kind of makes them, oh, okay, that's what you mean. And then they pull out from their envelope everything else, which is a this gorgeous little spiral-bound booklet that I've had produced for me, which the first two pages is the gift certificate that, that's printed with space for handwriting. So that's where I've hand-filled each gift certificate. So it's from you know the ladies at your famous hairdressers to Joanne and John, uh, expiry and uh, gift value is also handwritten and there's a space for personal message. So I usually require that every address that I get from the businesses has a personal message from them. As in, uh, congratulations on the new puppy. We hear that you know, all your furniture is ruined or you know something very <laughs> personal so it doesn't seem like they write the same thing to everyone. Yes. And I find the more personal you can get that bit, the better the return. Eric, do you complete that yourself in your handwriting yep. but you're yep. using what they have told you? Yes. I mean, I try to use my wife's handwriting. <laughs> my handwriting is more of a doctor's handwriting, so it's only legible by other doctors or nurses. But my wife does it nicely. I do label the envelopes. It is a big process, but we only do it once a month. It takes most of the day to do it. The whole production line on the table, but it's well worth it because I get about 25 to 30% return calls. 25 to 30%. So so most of the times when I've done this kind of third-party marketing, I'm lucky to get a 5% return, but mine's more... That's right. Just whack it out there. That's right, because that's what I've optimized it to. So if you choose the wrong business or that's first mistake, if you choose a chain of some sort, then that they don't have the connection to the clients, that's suspicious to the client if they get a letter like this from that place. So unless it's a boutique place, they wouldn't would yeah, find it very suspicious. If it's a normal postage pay printed automatic, you know, printed envelope that looks like a bill, that doesn't even get opened a lot of time. If it feels like a, you know, if it feels dodgy, it, it, you know, people find it too nice to be true. Sure. But if they get something handwritten, they do have to open it. If it's nice and luxurious, kind of it builds up on itself. And if they know who they got it from, they usually call them and saying thank you, you know, because that's how appreciated they feel when they get it. So that's one of the, the tricks there. And the expiry date as well. I know there's some controversy now in Australia with expiry of the gift certificates or gift cards, I think. But these are, I think that refers to the gift cards you would get for iTunes in, you know, at Woolies, not so much as a limited type promotion kind of gift that expires because it, if you don't pick it up, you know, it, it gets expired. So I usually just ask them to validate the gift certificate by either giving me a call or visiting my website special landing page where they have to put their basic details. Even though I have the details already, I promise to the business that I'm sending them from that I'm not using those details to contact the clients apart from that email and that mail out. Right. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Yeah, I never mind really when someone reschedules. I enjoy that time because there's nothing else in the diary. It's some free time. It's, It's lovely. 
Arik, you have been amazing. It's been so good to talk to you. I'm so glad we actually found time to do this finally after talking about it for so long. Where is the best place for the listener to get a better idea about you, your work, what you do? That will be my website on fivecastles.com.au, F-I-V-E, castles. Yeah, that's kind of the hub for everything. I'm always working on it, so there's always something new there. And, yeah, I'm not sure we're going to release it, but it's going to be probably different than today. Oh, really? Okay, fantastic. Well, I'll add links to, uh, obviously, to your website. And I know you have some other websites. You have a new or a different website for your branding or your business portraits and also your Instagram and Facebook. I'll add links to all those in the show notes. Just to finish off, Arik, where do you see the business in five years' time? In five years' time, I would say... I still see it here <laughs> in Melbourne, but let's say I would be way, way busier and I would probably be bringing someone on to help me. I have trust issues. I mean, all the photographers out there probably can uh, think of the same. They'd be able to relate for sure. Yeah, yeah, you have to relate to it because every client is so precious. If someone has to drop the ball, it has to be you. So I would rather do all my client contact personally so all the meetings are crucial shooting itself is about personality not the skill and the sales session as well it's about personality and the skill yeah, so it's a combination of everything it would be very hard to find someone to replace that bit but i think everything behind the scenes could be automated or or outsourced right do you see kate ever working in the business yeah, I mean, we were talking about it, but she's not that interested in it. <laughs> she's got some strength in I love that. She could probably do some, yeah, <laughs> some of the background stuff, but not really client-facing or, or shooting or anything like that. Right. Okay, cool. Arik, again, mate, it's been a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to hearing the listeners' response to what you had to share today. I know you're going to be flooded with questions inside the members' Facebook group. Mate, just, again, a massive thanks from me to you for coming on and sharing what you have. My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed what Arik shared as much as I did. Arik, if you're listening, thank you again, mate, so much for coming on, being so open about your processes, the way everything works. I I was blown away. I know the listener will be too, mate. So again, thank you so much. For you, the listener, yeah, look, I, I honestly hope you feel the same way I do. What an incredibly successful business and what a way to build it on the back of third-party marketing. I love what Arik had to share. I hope you did too. If you have any follow-up questions for Arek, you can hit him up in the comments area of the show notes for this episode, and you'll find them at photobizx.com forward slash 345. Now, in those show notes, I've got links to anything and everything that Arek mentioned. I've got examples of his beautiful work. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, we have access to Arik inside the members Facebook group. So if you have any additional questions for him, if you want to clarify something, he is there, tag him in your post there, hit him up. I know he'll be happy to come back and share what he can and answer your questions. One quick thing before we close out today's episode, I received a few messages about help with Facebook ads, Facebook ad copy, setting up retargeting following last week's episode with Brian Bassani, where I talked about Facebook ads and the success a particular listener was having with their Facebook ads at that moment. And yes, I am more than happy to come in and help you with your ad copy, with setting up your ads manager, with walking you through the whole system step by step, helping you get sorted with retargeting. I can help you with all that. And the easiest way to speak to me about that, to book me in, to have me help you, 
is go to photobizx.com forward slash mentoring. That'll take you to the mentoring page. You can also find it underneath the resources tab on photobizx.com. And if you scroll down, you'll have the option to book and schedule a one-hour strategy call. That includes follow-up email support for another two weeks following our call. And look, ultimately, I want to see you succeed if I'm helping you. So if you want help with your Facebook ads, that's setting up the copy, picking the images, setting up your questionnaire page, knowing what to say, role-playing the calls that you have to make following one of these Facebook ads, setting up retargeting or anything else, I can help you with in regards to those ads. Book one of those strategy calls and I'll be more than happy to help you with that. And of course, if you'd rather go it alone, if you'd rather do it all yourself, learn exactly how and why you're doing these things at your own pace, grab the Facebook ads course. It's fbadpromo.com, fbadpromo.com. Grab the course. It will step you through the whole system. You can go at your own pace. And if you are one of these photographers that can consume and implement straight away, you should be able to, well, you will. You'll have an ad up in a few hours after you purchase the course because it's, it's pretty simple. You read through, you do what the course says, and you set up your ad as you go. Very, very simple, very straightforward, clearly set out, easy to follow in step-by-step fashion. And if you want to go it alone and just practice with trial and error, do that now. This is a great time of year to be running ads, whether you're going after engaged couples to eventually book their weddings, whether you're a pet photographer, portrait family photographer, get on and start advertising now. Get the leads rolling in. Of course, don't rely on Facebook ads. Do what RX doing and start implementing third-party marketing as well. Have multiple streams of leads coming into your business. Don't ever rely on that one lead source, which is exactly what RX said in that interview. You know, There's no way he would rely on on one particular lead source. He's going after multiple lead sources. We should all be doing exactly the same thing. All right, that's enough from me. (laughs) I'm looking forward to talking to you inside the members Facebook group following today's episode. If you're a premium member, and if you're a free listener, I'll talk to you in next week's episode. Have a great week wherever you are. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. I was just putting the finishing touches on the audio, the intro and outro for today's episode, and I jumped over to the Premium Members Facebook group, and there's a post here from Bo Rosser. He's a pet photographer, and this is totally relevant to what I was just talking about. He says, all I can say is, wow, I purchased the Facebook ads course three days ago and launched my first ad yesterday. I can't believe the response. I currently have 45 inquiries and it has only been running a little over 12 hours. I'm looking for tips on how to manage the inquiries. Have others used spreadsheets, custom forms, etc.? as I don't have the questionnaire to print out. I just don't want to miss anyone. I'm running the ad for seven days. It's going to be fun getting through them all. (laughs) How good is that? So Bo's done an awesome job by following the course, getting his ad set up. What he hasn't done is follow the complete course He didn't have a questionnaire set up to help manage the leads. So he's going to try and do that now. I've suggested he does that and plays catch up with all the leads coming in. So he's he's been inundated with these inquiries. It's going to be a bit of a struggle to stay on top of it because the ads running now, things are going to kick in and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going great. So if you're thinking about running Facebook ads, don't know where to start, grab the Facebook ads course, just follow what it says. 
do most of what Bo said, but read the rest of the course too and have your questionnaire set up and ready to manage the inquiries when they come in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How good is it reading posts like that? It's, um, I'm so happy for Bo. It's fantastic. All right. That is really it for me. Have a great week. Chat to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 